Thanks for listening to the Aspire Church podcast. Visit us at aspirejacks.org to access additional resources or to learn more about the ministries of Aspire Church. That not only is God's word essential to who we are as a church, but prayer is critical. Not just to who we are as a church, but to you, to your family, to your life, to your relationship with Christ, and to your soul. Now, I don't know about many of you, but I've noticed on my, all of my feeds, whether it's on the radio, whether I'm doing something online, I am seeing advertisements for health and beauty all the time. Gym memberships, people trying to get you to join a gym. You notice that? Why do they do it this time of year? Because they know that something triggers inside your mind at the beginning of a year that, hey, I should try maybe get on a diet. I should try to watch. I should try to get healthy. I'm going to, this is going to be the year, right? This is going to be the year. And so we start our diet in January and it lasts until January, right? We focus on doing things that we know are good for our body. And that's right. That's good. We should do that. We should all do that. You know, we focus increasingly in our society on our health and our wellness and beauty. In fact, last year in 2023, more money was spent per person on health and beauty aids than ever in the history of America. Last year alone, the average American spent $722 on health and beauty aids. And some of you should have spent more. (laughs) but wait if you think that's a lot of money just wait because if you're in gen z okay if you're the youngest generation the youngest generation spent on average one thousand seven hundred and fifty four dollars on health and beauty issue products now i'm nothing against this is not a sermon against gym memberships it's not a sermon against health and beauty and what you spend on health and beauty be healthy be beautiful i'm all for it here's the problem While we are focusing increasingly on our physical appearance and our physical well-being, we are ignoring the most important part of what it means to be human. We are ignoring something that we so often overlook in our day-to-day lives and very rarely think about it, and that is our souls. In fact, it's not just those of us in the room. It's a cultural-wide trend. There's a modern philosophers, lots of them, like a guy named Owen Flanagan, says that there is no place in science for the notion of a soul. In fact, this is a direct quote from him. Desouling is the primary operation of science. Desouling is the primary operation of science. Can you imagine this idea that, that the whole purpose of science is to help us awaken to the fact that all you are is a body. All you are are bones and flesh and cells and neurons that are working. Desouling is the primary operation of science. So it just caused me to ask the question, is, is the idea of a soul a relic of ancient times? Have we moved as a, as a society, have we, as, as humans, have we moved past the idea of the soul? Are humans, like every other animal, only a collection of flesh and blood and neurons? Now, you probably don't think so, or you wouldn't be here today, right? And you don't think I think so, or I wouldn't be here today. Even if you're not a believer or you don't know what you believe, you probably don't agree with that or you wouldn't be in a church today because the very fact that you're in a church means that you are seeking something that goes just beyond your physical well-being. That you are looking for something more than just health and beauty in 2024. That's why you're here today. Even if you don't call yourself a Christian, that, that may describe you. That you understand that you are more than just biology. You don't have to believe in Jesus to instinctively know that there is more to, you, to a human being than just their flesh and bones. So let me give you some examples in our society. Okay, every year, you've heard, every four years you hear this, and you're already hearing it about 2024, and you're going to hear it more, that this election is about the soul of America. 
How many of you have already heard that this year? I've heard it several times, right? And we say it, we said it four years ago, we said it eight years ago, we said it 12 years ago. What do we mean? If we don't believe in the human soul, then how can a nation have a soul? What do we mean that this election is for the soul of America? Or think about other pop culture issues where we use it, where we say phrases like, you know, he or she, they sold their soul. What, what do we mean by that? What do we mean they sold their soul? If all we are is a body and neurons and cells, what is there to sell? If, the, if this is what this person wants to do, what do you mean they're selling? What is it that they're selling? In fact, there was on eBay a woman who tried to sell her soul on eBay, and eBay said, you're not allowed to sell your soul on eBay, which is interesting because eBay kind of hedged their bets. They, it, you either can't sell it because you don't have a soul, or you can't sell it because you're not allowed to sell your soul on eBay. I don't know which it is, but they kind of hedged their bets on that one. Pop culture, things like, how many of you watch Saturday morning cartoons, the Looney Tunes, when, when Wile E. Coyote would fall off the cliff and his body would hit and then a translucent image of him would rise up away from his body? What is that, right? We just kind of know that, talking about the soul. Or I don't know if there are any Harry Potter fans in the room. The entire Harry Potter series is all about the idea of a soul. Dementors take the soul out of a person. Or, or Voldemort, his soul is split into seven parts. The whole idea is that there is a soul. We sort of instinctively know it, even though people might say there is no such thing we go back to it we call Aretha Franklin the queen of soul right what does that mean what does it mean to have a soul in fact a more serious issue if you think about the debate that goes on in our country has gone on for years and probably will continue to go on no matter what side of the issue you're on if you think about the abortion debate it's really not a debate about does a beating heart define the beginning of life? That's not really the argument. The argument is, when does a human body have a soul? That's really what that debate is about. At what point does a human body have a soul? So I say all this to say that we're conflicted on the issue. Even in secular society, we're conflicted. Because on one hand, we look at science and we think, well, there's maybe no room for the human soul. But on the other hand, we see it and we feel it everywhere. That there is something inside of us more than just of our physical well-being, just our, our appearance. There's something more to us. And so we're starting a brand new series today that we're calling The Care and Feeding of the Human Soul. And we're going to try to do some things in this series over the next few weeks. And I hope you'll come back every week because we're going to explore something that maybe we should explore more and we haven't explored enough of. But first of all, we're going to ask the question and try to answer it today. What is the soul? I think we have to start there. What is the soul? And the next week, we're going to ask the question, what is wrong with our soul? And then we're going to focus most of our time on how do you care for and feed your soul? So I hope you'll come each and every week and be a part of the conversation. But not just here on Sundays, in small groups, and more important than that, in your day-to-day -day life between the times we gather to worship, that you will take some of these ideas and you will really explore them as you think about the care and feeding of your own soul. So I want to start out by just answering the question or trying to answer the question, what is the soul? And I want to share two facts about your soul with you that I think are important to set the table. The first, what is the soul? The first fact is this, you are not just a self, you are a soul. You are not just a self. You notice in, in popular science and in, in, in all the leadership and psychology writings, it talks about self, self-care, self-leadership. Everything is about self, self-help. All of that is about the self. But here's the thing. You are not just a self. You are a soul. Now, here's what's happened. Modern psychology has replaced the idea of the soul with the self. 
Psychology itself, even the word speaks of and refers to the human soul. But what has happened, as science has felt like humans have just outgrown the antiquated idea of a soul, they have replaced the idea of soul with self. And so they offer lots of things to do to help yourself. But the self is not the soul. Imagine if you would coming to church, if you came to church today and we asked you to stand and sing the hymn, then sings myself. It just doesn't sound right. Or Jesus, lover of myself. Right? I mean, this, we know that's, that, that's not right. And you don't think that's not right just because you're a Christian and you grew up in church singing those songs. Something about that sounds wrong. There's a difference between the self and the soul. And, and so what, what I want to focus on is, is this idea that the more you focus on yourself, the more in danger your soul is. Because the more you focus on self, the less you are actually focused on your soul. And I believe this is what is contributing to our current mental health crisis in the United States. Now, let me just give a disclaimer. I have nothing against the mental health community. In fact, I value it. I value what it can do for people. I have nothing against counseling. I'm for all of the above. I'm for all of the above. But I think what we've done is we have focused so much on that aspect of it and its focus on self that we have neglected what could be the real problem for many of us. And that isn't ourself, it's our soul. Listen to these statistics from 2023. These are brand new statistics from the American Psychological Association. They say that 45% of adults aged 35 to 44 have experienced an increase in mental health diagnosis as compared to 31% in 2019. In four years, it's gone from 31% of adults in that age category to 45% who have a diagnosed mental health condition, but it gets worse because 50% of adults age 18 to 24 have been diagnosed with a mental health condition. Now, why do I bring these stats up? And there are lots of explanations that people could come up with, and I'm sure there there are many good ones, but I'm just going to offer you one possibility because by all objective standards, this should not be the case. It shouldn't be. Why do I say that? Because we live in a time where we have spent decades and billions of dollars studying psychology, studying psychiatry. We have more mental health resources than ever. And yet the demand has only increased and the severity of the problem has grown. Something else is going on. Not that we don't need to focus on mental health. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is what if that's not the whole problem? What if the problem is actually the desouling of America? What if the problem is that we are ignoring the most important part of who we are? Could the mental health community's focus on self rather than soul be making the problem worse? So while we spend increasing amounts of money caring for ourselves, we continue to ignore the part of us that is crying out and is dying within us. And, and to make this point, I just want to remind you how we're made, that you are not just a self, you are a soul. Look with me at Genesis chapter two, verse seven. We'll put it on the screen. We'll just be in this one verse in Genesis and then we're gonna skip to some other verses in a minute. Genesis chapter two, verse seven. Here's, here's how humans were formed. Listen to this. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living what? Soul. Man became a living soul. You see in the creation of man the distinction between his flesh God formed him out of the dust of the ground 
And then he became a living soul, soul only when God breathed or put his spirit within him. Of course, we all know what happened. Within just a couple chapters of that, we see the story of the fall. And something inside of us died. Immediately there was a problem with our living soul. That, that death began to creep into our souls even while our biology continued to go on. Here's what is true for you. You possess your body, but your body is not who you are. You possess your body, but your body is not who you are. Let me give you some examples of why I know you believe this. Because there have been times in your life, especially if you're getting older, where your soul tells you you should be able to do something that your body can no longer do, right? My soul says I should be able to climb three flights of stairs. My body says not so fast, right? I mean, there are things that your body betrays you. And I don't care how old you are, how young. Some of you young people are just laughing because you think you're talking about old people. Your body has betrayed you too. There are things you have wanted to do that you've wanted to accomplish that you have not been able to accomplish. But something inside of you says you should be able to. I mean, something deep inside of you thinks, why can't my body do that? Because you possess your body, but you are more than just your body. Your body may be yours, but it is not you. Listen to what the philosopher uh, Dallas Willard says. Your soul is not just something that lives on after your body dies. It is the most important thing about you. It is your life. Now, I think, I think Dallas Willard is on to something really critical here because I grew up in church, and maybe some of you grew up in church like I did, and the only time I really thought about my soul is when I thought about it like Wiley Coyote, right? That the whole idea of church and religion was just to make sure that my soul was going to be okay when my body died. And, I mean, that's what we do, right? We want to make sure our soul is good when our body is dead. But when we are doing that, so many times what we're doing is we're actually ignoring the condition of our soul here and now. Your soul isn't just something that is meant to start when your body dies. You have a soul. You are a soul in the present. It's not just something to worry about in the future. It's something we think about here and now. So Dallas Willard gives an explanation of the soul that I think is really good, a diagram that I will put on the screen, and I want to walk you through this. This is his illustration. So in this, you see uh, that he talks about the will. The will is that part of you that, uh, that, that defines your intentions, okay? You have a will to do something, a, a will to get a job, a will to pursue a relationship. You have a, you have a will, a desire inside of you. And then we have our mind. And our mind are your thoughts, your feelings, your values, your conscious. And sometimes your will convinces your mind to believe certain things, right? You've had this happen. There were things you knew in your mind you shouldn't do, but your will said you want to do it anyway, and so you did it. <laughs> and your will drove your mind. Your, your will changed your mind, okay? But it's not just your will and your mind. It's also your body because then your mind tells your body to act on that thing that your will wants you to do. Now, what Dallas Willard says is that your soul encompasses all of this. Your soul is what integrates your body, your mind, and your will. The best illustration I can think of with this is it's like an operating system on a computer or a cell phone. You have the hardware, the device itself, you have software or apps that run on it, but it's the operating system that makes it all work together. It's the operating system that makes it function together. That is sort of the definition of what the human soul is all about. And, and if, if you think about it this way, it makes sense because when you, there's a the guy by the name of John Ortberg and his book is listed in your recommended reading on your worship guide. He says this, a soul is healthy when there is harmony 
between these three parts and God's intention for you. That God who created you, when all of these parts are in alignment with God, then that's a sign that your soul is healthy. When you're connected with God and with other people in life, you are a healthy soul. And and here's what is so important. You are not just a self. Please do not hear what I am not saying, okay? I am not saying that you shouldn't care for yourself. I am not saying that there are not things that you can do to benefit from counseling and mental health. All that is valuable. All I am saying is that's not all of who you are. You are not just a self. You are a soul. And the more you focus on self, the more likely you are not focusing on your soul. And the second truth about your soul I want to share with you is that your soul is the most valuable part of you. It is the most valuable part of who you are. Listen to what Jesus said. Mark chapter 8, verse 36. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? Now, I don't know about you, but again, sort of like the whole idea of soul, when I heard this verse, when I thought about this verse a lot, I always thought about this verse as this idea of not sacrificing sort of short-term gains today for my eternal existence in heaven. That's kind of how we read it, right? What does it profit a man if you got everything in this life and then you died and you left it all behind and, you know, and then you sacrifice your soul? And I think there's truth to that. But I don't think that's what all Jesus is saying here. I think what Jesus is saying is even now right here, there is nothing more valuable than the condition of your soul today. There's no position you can achieve. there's There's no amount of money you can get. There's no possession you can acquire that can compensate for what is wrong inside of your soul. It's nothing that money can fix. It's nothing that power can fix. It's nothing that a relationship can fix. There is nothing you can trade for your soul. What can a man give in return for his soul? There's nothing, Jesus says. And that's not just about what happens to you after you die. It's about how you live in the present, here and now. Dallas Willard again, here's what he says. The most important thing in your life is not what you do, it's who you become. That's what you will take into eternity. You are an unceasing spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. Listen, if you don't hear anything else that is said today, that last line is important. That you are an unceasing spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe, that your soul is the most valuable part of you. And yet, for so many of us, we ignore it. So I want to close by giving you four conditions of the human soul, okay? And this comes from a parable that Jesus taught. If you have a Bible, Mark chapter 4 is where you can find this parable. It's a famous parable. But basically in this parable, Jesus is describing how the world distracts us from actually caring for our soul. And here's what I want you to do as we go into it and think about it. I want you to identify which of these four conditions describes your soul today. Okay? Which of these four conditions describe your soul today? And it won't be hard because here's what I guess is going to happen. The minute I say it, you're going to be like, that's me. Or somebody next to you is going to go, that's you. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully it's the first and not the second. All right, so here, let me give these four conditions of the human soul. The first one is the hardened soul, the hardened soul. Mark 4, 3 and 4, Jesus says, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. 
Now, this is one of the only parables that Jesus then explained. So if you look down at verse 14 and 15, he explains this seed that's falling on the hard path. Here's what he says. The sower is the, sows the word, and these are the ones along the path. Where the word is sown, when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes it away, takes away the word that is sown in them. This is describing a soul that is unpenetrable. This is a soul that has grown hard, maybe because it's been wounded, maybe because it's been hurt, betrayed, and this soul has grown hard as a result in order to protect itself. And nothing gets in. You don't feel anymore. You don't really even, you, you might even agree with some, some of the people I quoted earlier and even question whether you even have a soul because it's grown so numb and so cold that you don't even know anymore. You don't even feel anymore. If you have a hard soul, if your soul has grown hard, here's some things you can do and they're not gonna be comfortable. In fact, everything I'm gonna give you to do as a result of the condition of your soul is gonna run 180 degrees counter to what you want to do. But it's what you need to do if you want to care and feed for your soul care and feed your soul. Here's, here's what you need to do if your soul's hard. You need to put yourself in situations with people who will require compassion and grace out of you. And you're like, those are the very people I'm trying to avoid. That's my point. You need to put yourself in a situation where there are people who are hurting, where their condition and the situation is bad, and you need to pray the prayer, God, break my heart for what breaks your heart. Give me your heart. You need to ask yourself, why am I avoiding pain? Why am I medicating myself? Maybe you're medicating yourself with drugs, with alcohol, too much drinking. Maybe you're medicating yourself with technology or, or watching things online. But you are just trying not to feel anything. You don't want to feel anything. That is a hard soul, and it is a dangerous place to be. You need to face the real struggles that are going on in you and around you. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis as he describes this kind of soul. Let me, let me read it to you. Here's what he says. To love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. If your soul is hard, what this is saying is you're going to have to take it out of that casket you've put it in, out of that vault, and you're going to have to risk that it will be broken. And can I tell you, it's, it's a risk that is sure to happen. It will be broken. But that's the point. What do you do when the soil's hard? You have to bring a tiller to it. Is your soul hard? Second condition for the human soul the shallow soul. Listen to what Jesus says in verse, four, uh, verse five and six. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no roots, it withered away. Now Jesus describes this person in verse 16 and 17. And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately rejoice it, re receive it with joy and they have no root in themselves but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. This is the shallow soul. Let me describe the shallow soul for you, for you. So the shallow soul is somebody who today will say, this is exactly what I need. And then Tuesday, you'll have forgotten everything I said. That's the shallow soul, right? Because, because here's the thing. The minute it gets hard, 
The minute it's a challenge, you walk away. You don't persevere. You don't press in. You, you love the idea. You're not hard-hearted. You're just shallow. You're, you, you just look at that and you think, oh, I, maybe next year. Maybe 20, I thought 2023 was going to be my year. It wasn't. Maybe 2024. By the middle of January, maybe it's not 2024. I'll wait till 2025. That's the shallow soul. And if your soul is shallow, here's what I'm going to tell you to do. Again, you're not going to like it. Just like the hard soul doesn't like it, but here's what you have to do. You have to step up your game. What do I mean by step up your game? Read a book. And I don't just mean some fantasy book or fiction book or Christian, even Christian fiction book. I mean, read something that will cause you to think about your own spiritual formation and growth. Every week in the worship guide, we give you some suggested reading, things that you can find. You can check out our media center. You can find things, find something to read about the condition of a soul and how to care for your soul. But do more than that. Adopt a Bible reading plan. Last week, we gave out systematic Bible reading plans. Find something in the Word, and don't just read it, but consider what you read. Think about it. Start a journal. Put your thoughts on paper. If your soul is shallow, what you need to do is dig deeper, and that's going to take some effort on your part. Do you have a hard soul? Do you have a shallow soul? The third condition of a soul is a cluttered soul, and I'm just going to tell you right up front, this is most of us, me included. Okay, this is most of us. In a world where there is so many distractions and so, much, so many things that can pull our attention, this describes the vast majority of us. I'm convinced of this. Listen to what Jesus said, Mark chapter 4, verse 7. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And then he describes this in verse 18 and 19. Others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. A cluttered soul is a distracted soul. I could have just easily said distracted. And the thing that distracts most of us is this, right? I mean, whether it's, uh, whether it's a social media feed, whether it's a tech, I mean, there's just so much information coming at us, right? We, we can't even focus, we can't focus on anything more than five or six seconds and our minds are already wandered off somewhere else. That is a condition of a cluttered soul. If this is your, if this describes you, then you need to do something that you're not gonna like. In fact, it's something that we don't even ask you to do in church anymore, but we should. In fact, we're gonna start asking you to do it. And that is to fast and abstain from things. Fast and abstain. Now, the minute I said fast, you immediately thought of food, right? And maybe so. That's, that's definitely, I think, a powerful way to fast. But for some of you, you need to fast from technology. You need to put down your devices. You, you need to just decide, I'm not going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to limit my screen. Whatever it is, you're going to fast from it in order to declutter your mind to give space for the Word of God to begin to work deeper inside your soul. You need to experience, and you're going to hate this, boredom. You do. You need to experience boredom. You need to experience stillness. You need to experience silence. You don't need other things coming in at you, other information coming in. What you need to do is you need to be still and let the word of God begin to saturate your mind and transform you. Do you have a cluttered soul? And finally, the one that I hope describes is more descriptive of all of us by the time we end this series is the healthy soul. Listen to how Jesus described it in verse 8. And other seed fell in good soil, and it produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And then he describes that in verse 20. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. The healthy soul. The healthy, the healthy soul is the one that all by itself, just out of your life, springs the fruit of the Spirit. 
love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These things just come out of you, right? That, that you sense and you see that God is working in you and through you, not because of anything great that you have done or because you're super spiritual, but because your soul is healthy and God longs to work in and through people with healthy souls. It happens all by itself. The farmer plants the seed, he tends the field, but the crop grows up all by itself. How does that happen? Because God delights to work in and through people with healthy souls. And so how can we have healthier souls? Well, that's what this series is going to be all about. How do we care and feed for our souls? And here's what I want to challenge you to do for 2024. I want you to prioritize the care and feeding of your soul. I want you to make it a priority. As important as your physical health is, as important as your mental health is, your soul, the care for your soul is just as important and maybe even more important because it's the most important part of who you are. Care for your soul. Now, I want to share with you just some resources that we make available for the care and feeding of your soul. And, and I'm challenging you over the next 85 days. This 85 days of prayer is actually a challenge for all of us together to encourage one another to care for and feed our souls. Because prayer isn't just about communicating what you want to communicate to God. Prayer is about opening up a channel for God to communicate to you in order to care for your soul and to let God work in and through your soul. So during this 85 days of prayer that we have, we're going to give you a few resources. In fact, inside your worship guide this morning, you notice our brand new prayer ministry that we gave. You can read more about the prayer ministry in that. But you also noticed... There was a piece of paper that says uh, prayer prompts for January 7th. Now, here's what we're going to do. Uh, the first thing we're doing during the 85 days of prayer is we are providing you a daily prayer prompt. Some of you are like, I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray for. Well, we're going to, for 85 days, we're going to provide you something, okay? Every day, there's going to be a verse to consider. There's going to be what to pray. And there's going to be church members to pray for today. Now, that last part is so important. Because by the end of 85 days, every church member is going to have prayed for every other church member by the time we get done. So you will see names you don't know, pray for them anyway. You're going to see names you do know, and you may be able to pray more specifically for them. But we're going to pray through every day. Now, if you are an electronic person, if you're a digital person, and you're going to lose this paper before you even leave church, because let me tell you a secret. We go through the pews and we clean them out so we know who you are, all right? But let me give you a solution. You can leave the paper behind, but let me just give you a solution. If you go to our app at app.aspirejacks.org, that is a web app. You can actually save it to your home screen, whatever kind of device you use. You don't have to go to Apple Store or Google Play. You just go to your browser, app.aspirejacks.org, and you put that app on your home screen. Every day, the prayer prompt for the day is going to appear on the Aspire Jacks app. So you can get it that way too if you want to find it, uh, find it there, okay? So the daily prayer prompts. The second way that we're gonna invite you during the 85 days to focus on this is we're gonna invite you to a day of fasting every Monday evening through Tuesday evening. Monday evening through Tuesday evening. What does that mean? Five o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock, whenever you start, you just make up, and it's between you and the Lord, what you are going to abstain from for that 24 hours. Could be food, could be technology, Whatever you feel like the Lord is telling you, that is what's cluttering your soul. We're just going to do a, to collectively a 24-hour fast. Now, you can do it any day you want. I like to think that we're all doing it at the same time, so we're all grumpy together. Okay, that's, that's part of the motivation then. And if you say, well, I don't want to do that, you probably need to do it. No, I'm, ser I'm, I'm serious. Any of these disciplines, you're like, that sounds terrible, then it's for you. 
because you have to actually go upstream from what you want to do in order for your soul to be cared for and tended because the reason your soul is in the condition it's in is because you don't want to do those things. So would you commit to a day of fasting during the 85 days of prayer? The other thing we're gonna do is called call to prayer. Now, if you've been around Aspire for a while, you know this, is, goes, this tradition goes back decades. Every first Tuesday of every month at 7 p.m., we have call to prayer in the prayer chapel. Doesn't matter what's going on, pandemics, wars, rumors of wars, uh, weather conditions, we always have it. We are gonna do call to prayer every Tuesday during the 85 days of prayer. So for some of you, if you've never been, just pick any Tuesday and come. We're gonna do it at 7 p.m. every Tuesday. We'll also do it during the daytime, for those of you who can't come in the evening, we're gonna do a call to prayer every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Come to call to prayer. It is just a time to sit with people and pray. That's all we do. That's the whole agenda. Be a part of call to prayer at least once during the 85 days of prayer. All right, that will continue all through the month of March. And then finally, one other thing that may help you if you're interested in knowing more about this, we'd, I'd love for you to come and be a part of the prayer lab. Starting this Wednesday night, I'm gonna be offering from six to 7.30. I'll be leading what we're calling prayer lab. It's not because I'm an expert prayer. I, 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 I'm striving just like you to try to be better in my prayer. But it's gonna be for us to get together and talk about some strategies and techniques to improve your prayer life. So if you wanna be a part of that, you can sign up on the app um, and be a part of that beginning this coming Wednesday night. So lots of different tools that we've given you in order to care for and feed your soul. During the next 85 days, would you consider doing that? Would you consider caring for the most valuable part of who you are? And let me just ask you, what do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? I mean, you have a lot to gain. You have almost nothing to lose by it. If at the end of the 85 days, if you have put effort into this and you look back and you think, I don't feel anything different. Well, then nothing, nothing's lost but a little bit of time. Why wouldn't you try for the next 85 days just to say, can I care for and feed my soul? Go on this journey with us. I'm on this journey. I'm looking at my own soul, seeing how cluttered it is, trying to say, how could, what do I need to fast from? What do I need to abstain from? Will you join us on this journey to, to bring health and wholeness to the most important part of who you are? I'm going to invite you to pray as our musicians come back up. And I just want you for just a moment to identify which one of those conditions your soul is in. Is your soul hard? Is your soul shallow? Is it cluttered? Is it healthy? Which best describes your soul? Now I just want you to now invite the Holy Spirit to come into your heart and life and to help heal your soul. Father, we thank you today that you place such infinite value on our souls that you would send Jesus to die for us. That there's nothing in this world as valuable. There's nothing in this world that is more important than the condition of our soul. And Lord, we ignore it, we avoid it, we abuse it, we're distracted from it. But God, I just pray that for the next 85 days, that just the few of us who are here, those of us who are part of Aspire Church, that Lord, we might just zero in. And, and I believe this, I believe that the more that we open our souls up to be healed and fed by you, 
that you will continue to work in and through us and in and through your church in more powerful ways in this new year than you have in the past. So God, we dedicate these next 85 days of prayer to you. Lord, help us to be in a constant attitude of prayer. Father, not to try to get out of you what we want, but Lord, to open ourselves up for you to come in and have what you want. May that be our prayer. May that be our hope. God, thank you. Thank you that Jesus is the lover of our souls. Our souls are thirsty. They long for you. So come in. Come in and flood our souls with your grace and your love and your mercy and your righteousness and your justice and everything we need that we might have a healthy soul that glorifies you with all that we are. For we pray in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to the Aspire Church Podcast. If what you've heard has been helpful, please subscribe and rate our podcast and share it with a friend. If you'd like to support the ministry of Aspire Church or want someone to contact you personally, please visit our website at aspirejacks.org. 